listening to Lighting Up Real Estate with your host, Kendall Lockett. Did you know there's a website that provides resources for beginning real estate investors? You can get scope of work templates, landlord checklists, net worth and budget templates, and more. Get access to all of these resources and tools absolutely free. Check out mylifeinrealestate.com. Again, that's mylifeinrealestate.com. Read the blog, listen to the podcast, Lighting Up Real Estate, and get as much as you need to grow your business for free. Episodes 40, how to become a bank through mortgage note investing. As always, the goal of this show is to shine a light on real estate investors, sharing their knowledge, value, skills, and ideas to grow your real estate investing business. And on this episode, I have real estate investor and mortgage note expert and queen, Sabrina Allen. This interview is straight up pencil and paper. She introduces us to wealth that we don't talk about in our community. This is all about mortgage note investing. You can even start mortgage note investing with as little as $500, but we don't talk about this. So this is pretty much an introductory lesson. I'm going to have Sabrina come back for a part two because it was so much that we could not cover and so many questions that I still had that it was blowing my mind. But nonetheless, let's just go ahead and get this epic interview started right now. Here's Sabrina Allen. Hi, Sabrina. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to Lighting Up Real Estate. Well, I'm glad to be here. I am excited you're here. Uh, We have been kind of missing each other because I've been trying to get you since I think the beginning of this year. And I finally been able to find you. And I'm okay. If I see her, I've got to snatch her. I got to get her on here because of course I heard you in the clubhouse and you were talking about notes and it was like, oh yeah. I need to talk to her because that is a conversation that we don't hear about. Yes. So uh, you're pretty much going to give us like a note investing, mortgage note investing 101. Because I'll be honest with you, I've heard it before in Bigger Pockets uh, podcast, and it was so over my head. I had no idea what they were talking about. And I know you don't hear it much in our community. So no. this is a pretty big conversation that we're about to have right now because I know it's some money in it. Because when I hear the word mortgage, I freak like I don't want a mortgage, but that I need to be thinking the opposite way, apparently, because I have you on yes. the show today. So you're going to have us thinking differently about these notes. Absolutely. It is. It is something that um, and even when I started selling mortgage notes, mm-hmm. it was like I was getting rid of the trash off of my desk. Um, I was working in a bank. And um, I didn't even realize what I was doing. So I actually got oh. into this by, by mis- I'll say by mistake um, and never knew by generating a bonus at the bank where I would be 25 years later. Wow. Um, um, real talk. So the person I was selling non-performing assets to 25 years ago on Wall Street never knew that I would still be doing business with him today, which I do. Um, now I'm a consultant for that individual. Wow. Okay. 25 so, years later. Oh my gosh. Okay. Take us back. So what define what mortgage notes are so that everybody has an understanding. So, you know, a mortgage note is you either have a, a, a note on your, on your, on your property or a, a deed of trust. And basically okay. that is a security um, or collateral on your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you borrow money to buy a house, that's the security um, and that's what's enforceable in the courts right. to actually take it through foreclosure if you breach the contract that you sign when you actually purchase your house. So okay. there's two there's two moving instruments when you purchase a house. There's a note and there's a mortgage. And so, um, oh. so there's there's okay. two things. So when you when you actually buy mortgage notes, you actually still buy both both documents when they're sold on the secondary market. But you only hear like, well, well, what are mortgage notes? So I don't want you to ever get confused that you're only buying one instrument. So you're actually buying the note and the mortgage when it's sold. Okay. 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 I'm with you so far. So the mortgage actually is what is attached to the property. The note is what gives you the ability to cash the check. 
So when the note is sold, there's a there's an endorsement stamp that it's like an endorsement stamp, like a, a check, like you get to cash a check. Mm-hmm. So it's transferred over to the new buyer or to the new owner. So now that's how you become the bank. Okay. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Okay. So, so, when, so this is reminding me of like when when I was buying like my first house or many people, when they buy their houses, we hear it closing. Oh, you're going to make maybe a couple of payments to this company and then it's going to be sold to someone else. Is is this the same thing we're talking mm-hmm. about right now? Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's making sense. In your note, there's language in every note mm-hmm. that your loan may be sold. So it tells you that your yeah. loan may be sold. Even in your closing documents and your loan estimate and your LE, it collects 30 days of interest. Right. And the reason it collects 30 days of interest because they're collecting the first payment. So your loan may be sold at the closing table. So people who have warehouse lines of credit who are funding your loans via a warehouse line of credit, they may sell your loan right at the closing table. They may fund it and close it right away. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. But that's really not where like the money money is. But uh-huh. there is money in origination and selling loans. But where the where the golden goose egg is, is when loans become non-performing um, okay. and then they're sold on the secondary market. Okay. It's so kind of like my that's kind of like my um, my specialty. So what is non-performing? Non-performing loans are um, anything that are 90 days to 120 days past due, like in default. So the challenge right now is, is that pricing is really is a little bit expensive because a lot of real estate investors have gotten into um, mortgaged notes and they've driven the prices up because they treat notes like real estate and notes aren't real estate. Why are they not like real estate? Because... You can't ever collect more than what's owed on a note. So sometimes, you know, people will say, well, the property is worth $200,000, but you can only, if, if you only owe, if you're only owed $100,000 on a note, that's all that's enforceable. Okay. You can't, so it doesn't matter what the property is worth. Mm-hmm. It's only what, what's owed on the note. Okay. So I think that the, the shysters yeah. kind of like trick the non-educated people who are in like real estate investors Mm -hmm. on just the concept of what note investing is. Mm -hmm. And so they, they've been paying like 80 cents on the dollar for a non-performing asset. And so they've driven the pricing up quite a bit. Yeah. And in 98, I was selling non-performing first mortgages for 10 cents on the dollar. Um, First mortgages. Oh my God. So fast forward to 2021 those same mortgages are now being sold on the secondary market for 80 to 90 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Wow. And what, what people don't realize is fast forward to today is, is that you still have, you still have holding costs. Mm-hmm. You have to pay a servicer. You have recording costs. You have force placed insurance. You have recording fees. You have, sometimes you have to do a clean out after you actually complete the foreclosure. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of costs involved. Mm-hmm. And if you don't buy smart, you don't make money. You might, you know, take the real estate back mm-hmm. and you have an asset that you can make money over time, which is not, it's still not bad, but you have to set yourself up the right way in order for longevity in the note space. So the reason why I can sit here 25 years later is because I was really afraid to kind of step out there and be really yeah. And I didn't have a lot of money. Uh-huh. I was a, I was a I was a mom of two children and as I was getting out there it was just like I kind of like had to inch my way into the space. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't real aggressive. I wasn't gun ho because I saw what foreclosure did. I saw what, you know, right. not making wise investments did. And, you know, going in for the um, for the jugular wasn't the right way to move mm-hmm. in the in the space. So, like, people are like, Sabrina, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting back waiting. I'll sit back and watch. You know, somebody gets in yeah. trouble. Um, somebody needs to liquidate their assets. That's kind of like when I go in and I'll right. buy when I know they need to liquidate. And um, then I'll, I'll buy at a discount. You'll mm-hmm. hear people about a fire sale and when they're fire selling, you know, you can get stuff um, at a, you know, at a lower price. And sometimes and, and you still, when you buy in bulk, you know, when mm-hmm. you're buying at 20, $30 million um, portfolios, you can, you can get a, you know, a deeper discount versus okay. buying smaller pools. You're going to pay a little bit more money. Okay. So 
Let's back up. I know I just said a whole lot. <laughs> you did. And I promise you, this is one-on-one because I'm pretty sure listeners have a lot of questions and I know I do because this is so incredibly new to me. So I want to make sure that I get a clear understanding and the listeners do as well. So when you said that we have to consider like holding cost services, insurance, all of those as well, getting the notes, are we getting the property too, or just. So you're, you're the bank, you become the bank. A bank. That's the best, okay. that's the okay. best way that I can put it. I get so it. You become the bank, but because you become the bank, one of the things that I also want to enforce with you all mm-hmm. is, is that you become the bank, but you do not service your own paper. There's a service provider that does that for you. Mm -hmm. So I currently work for a servicing company and I'm a president. I'm a hired president of a mortgage servicing company, which is Main Street Asset Solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's based out of Fair Oaks, California. Um, Even though I'm currently in Ohio, um, I work remote and they um, basically they take care of the accounting. They send out monthly statements. They handle the foreclosure. They handle paying the taxes. Wow. They handle um, they do the sale, insurance. they the new own the new buyers for the property and everything, and you are just the bank. You're just the bank. And and so you're not buying the property, you're buying you're buying the paper. So basically oh. the homeowner basically communicates with the servicer, and they basically the servicer enforces all the rights on your behalf. So you do you're pretty much like a is this considered like a private investor? Like you're just you're a private you're a private investor. Shut up. Okay, now I get this. Yeah, no one is talking about this. No. Well, there there are people talking about it, but there's not there's not a lot of people of no. color in this in this space. There's a few, but there's no. there's not a lot. Oh my gosh. Now everything is making so much sense now. So the benefits are that you're collecting the interest on the payments. Principal and in- interest. So you you actually so you know how you you get your um, your good faith estimate, and it tells you that you know those three hundred and sixty payments that you're going to make, even though you're borrowing three hundred thousand dollars, you're going to eventually pay six hundred and seventy thousand dollars on this mortgage based off of the interest in the three hundred and sixty months on the loan. Right. You basically would collect all of that money on that loan. Wow. Even though you would pay, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, you would pay. $280,000 for this loan if you're if you're paying 80 cents on the dollar for mm-hmm. it but you would have the right to collect all of those payments for the life of that loan. Okay, and these loans are like the traditional like 30-year mortgages, 15-year mm-hmm. mortgages. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. So yes. this is also creating generational wealth because if something happens to me, my children will continue benefiting. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So here's the other thing. So the other part of this that that I actually also teaches is that people, you know, you don't buy them in your name. People use their IRAs for them. They use their inherited Roth IRAs. They use um, trusts. So you're eliminating inheritance tax, the rights transfer over Mm -hmm. to the next generation without having to do a bunch of transfer work. But that's a whole, that's probably a whole nother class. Um, Some people buy them in their LLCs. But um, one of the other things that I do, I actually teach people to set up their entities the proper way yeah. Uh, so that, again, you, you avoid a lot, of, a lot of taxes if something were to happen to you. One of my clients, he has a family trust and everything transfers to the family trust. And basically, they have done this over generations and since the, really since the 70s. So they've actually been into note investing since the 70s. And of course, they don't look like us, but I've learned a lot from them and they've taken me under their wings. So I've actually I've been very, very fortunate. I went through a horrific divorce probably about eight years ago mm-hmm. and and I lost a lot. Yeah. And and I remember somebody saying to me, well, well you, you did things the wrong way when you were building your wealth. You didn't have a trust. I was like, what do you mean? So as a people, we're mm-hmm. talking the more you have, the more you're worth. Right. Like, no, no, no. That's not how you do it. He said, the, the less you own, the more you're worth. He said, you put all that in a trust. He said, so publicly, you look like you don't own anything. So when they started looking for your assets, they wouldn't have been able to find anything and you wouldn't have had to write a check. You just basically would have just walked away with your maiden name. And so wow. that was like very eye opening to me. And so once I got that aha moment, 
mm-hmm. it taught me how to restructure and structure the right way. And, and right now I have a couple assets in my name, but um, that's stuff that I just never transferred over. But everything that I do, I do in a trust. Everything. Amazing. It, it, it's really about structuring, even when you buy notes, when you buy real estate. And these are things that we don't like to talk about. Because just for these conversations, because we don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And you don't know until you know it. So like this is just blowing my mind right now. Okay, so I don't even know where what question to ask next because I'm just like, it's just so wow. Okay, so one question: how do we know we can afford them or how do we finance? How do we buy them? You get what I'm saying? Like, how to become a note investor? So one, um, I tell people do not, don't take out a don't take out a line of credit. Don't, you know, don't wow. don't leverage, don't leverage equity that you have to buy notes. Sometimes um, you JV with people. Um, you start okay. off onesies, twosies. So like when I first got into note investing, I had no money when I got into note investing. I was, I think I was fortunate. So I actually yeah. found the deals and I actually gave them to some lady in Arizona. Okay. And she says, okay, I'm going to take care of you. So I figured she would, you know, give me a finder's fee or something. And again, I was a corporate America person. I'm yeah. just keeping it real with you guys. So um, I remember I had taken my kids to Disney on American mm-hmm. Express. We were on we were on our Disney trip on my American Express card, and she called me in Florida, and she had liquidated three of our notes. And she was like, "Hey, I need your wiring instructions." I was like, "You can just send me a check." She's like, "No, I need your wiring instructions." Oh and so in Disney on American Express, I had my two children. I had. My significant other's child, my grandmother, and my mm-hmm. niece, and two of my nieces. And I can remember I got up that morning and I saw a wire coming into my checking account, and it was for, I think it was for like $65,000. So I called her and I was like, Hey, I, I think you made a mistake. She's like, No. She said, I make a mistake. She said, I gave you 50% of the deal. And I said, I said, What? 50% of the deal. She said, yeah. She said, that's, she said, that's what, that's what I committed to. She mm-hmm. said, you found the deal. We had no paperwork lined up. None. I gave her the deal. Oh I told God. her the deal. She purchased the deal. And again, no paperwork. This was all on her word. So she started teaching me the honor system. Mm, okay. Go ahead. And so I, I was just like, really? I was just, I was just like in awe. Yeah. So she just sent me $65,000, basically what I was bonusing a year at work. Yeah. And she said, so we have about 11 more deals to, to work our way through. You know, she said, so you let me know if you want to participate in working through those deals so we can move through them a little bit faster. Oh my God. So initially I had just kind of like gave her the deals and just yeah. kind of like went on about my business. And she's like, you just have a skill set that you could probably help me get through these deals a little bit faster because you know how to do things a little bit more. So oh she saw God. something in me that I didn't see in myself. Yes. It's like, wow, really? So that was in 2004, mm-hmm. 2004 2005. And so I was like, oh, wow. And so um, I was like, okay. So I started kind of helping her work through the deals and every deal we went through 50%. She was giving me 50% every, every single deal. And I still had the mentality of the nine to five mm-hmm. and I still have the mentality of nine to five I, because I need security. I need, right. I need medical insurance. I, I, there's some things, even as an investor, I just don't feel comfortable because I am the primary breadwinner of my family. Right. So I don't care how much money I got sitting in the bank. I still have to, I, there's just still a part of me that has you to like have that security blanket. Of no I like there. the security blanket. Yeah. And so then we, you know, we worked through those deals and then, then, so then I had another guy reach out to me and he was like, Hey, I, I heard that you, um, you really know how to work through notes and um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to buy this deal and I don't know how to do it. So I walked through the deal. But again, not having a business sense. I'm, I'm like, I'm being honest with you guys. So this is 2005 going into 2006. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super successful in corporate America, but right. I don't have a business sense. I don't, I don't have an investor mindset. I don't have, 
I'm not business savvy. Right. I'm just, I'm just, you just you know, had a I, skill. I just have, I just have a know-how to do things, yeah. but not really thinking like, I'm not putting on a business oh hat. I'm not God. putting on this entrepreneurial hat. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he calls me and I give him what to do, give him some fax numbers. And so he gets this deal. He, he's able to buy this note from a, a previous financial institution that I work for. And he takes the deal down and he makes a couple hundred thousand dollars off of this deal. So he sends me, now he sends me a check. Now he's, he's a pig. I'm just keeping it 100. Right. So he sends me a check for $3,500, Well, I thought it was junk mail. Right. It had been sitting on my desk for probably three or four months. Because again, I'm working with the lady in Arizona. So I'm making huge bank. I'm going right. to work. So like, I'm not pressed for money. At this point, I'm, I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm at, at this point in my life, coming from being a single mom, a teenage mom, I'm living my best life in 2000, 2006. Mm-hmm. So he calls me, he's like, hey, I sent you a check and you didn't cash it. Oh, is that what that was you sent me? That was my response. I mean, like I wasn't being cocky or arrogant or anything. I didn't know it was a check. So I went to my desk. I opened it. I said, okay, I'll get it cash. So I I go cash the check. And he was like, hey, I was wondering if I could fly you out to California. And I wanted to do this seminar. And I wanted you to kind of teach people what you did at the bank. Okay. Again, I don't now I, you I have, have no value. Idea. Wait a minute, girl. Okay, keep going. But I don't know that I have no. value on no investing, foreclosure, collections. No. I, I have no clue. So he's like, Well, I'm gonna charge a one ninety seven to get people in and I'll split the door with you after expenses. I'll pay for your ticket, I'll do this, I'll do that. I said, Okay. So I just go. I fly out to California. I had to be in the room with at least twenty, thirty million dollars. Had no clue. Had no idea of the opportunity I was sitting in front of. And all these guys were like asking me questions and, and I'm just freely answering. Giving it away. <laughs> giving it away. I don't know. And this is like I have and I have to be transparent with with you and mm-hmm. with people that I know that look like me who are gonna see this webinar because I can remember him saying, no, you can't say that. You can't tell people that you didn't know, but I have to be real. I have to be transparent about where I came from. Yeah, I, I won't apologize for where I came from because somebody that's probably in their twenties and their thirties, you know, like, look at me, I'm, I'm almost 50 now. Um, you know, like, well, how did you get here? I got, I got here by mistake. I, I won't say by mistake. It was because God said so, yeah. but I got here because I just, I was at the right place at the right time. I, I wasn't cocky. I wasn't arrogant. No. I just kind of walked into, I walked into it. That's it. I mean, like there's no other way for me to put it. Yeah. But then when I started to realize my worth and my value, mm-hmm. I started doing things a little bit different. I got a little bit wiser. I bet. So is that when you turn this into a business of consulting? Yes. Um, and I'll tell you guys, when I first started consulting, I was charging $50 an hour. Now, <laughs> I charge probably about, depending on what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I charge anywhere from $250 to $500 an hour for consulting, depending on what I'm doing for people. That's still great. I was thinking it was going to be higher than that. No, um, I, I want I want things to be affordable for yeah. people um, and realistic. And then like my, my one-on-one coaching sessions are, it's not astronomical. I get upset when people charge all these, these high fees for coaching. Mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. Yeah, it's not. And I want people to succeed. I don't want people to feel like I'm not touchable. I'm not reachable. I'm not reachable because I'm busy, not because I'm just so expensive that that they can't achieve something. I never will forget that I came from metropolitan housing and welfare. Never will I forget that. I came from humble beginnings and I want people to know that um, you can sit in, at any table that you choose to sit at, if you, if you are willing to commit, work hard, and be dedicated, that's that's possible because you're mm-hmm. looking at it and you're looking at me because that's where I came from. This is amazing. Your story. Oh my gosh. Okay, so where is the book already? Because I'm so ready to read this weekend about notes. I don't have. I don't have a book. <laughs> I, I don't have a book. Um, I need to add it to this bookshelf behind me. I need that book. Oh my gosh. Wow. This, I had no idea. This story is incredible. So 
Is there a certain mindset that we have to have even just to become a node investor? Is it just like, we don't, we just sit back and just watch the money just come in passively? So you, you have to, you have to understand the process. Okay. And so you, you do, you have to, you have to understand that there's due diligence. Mm-hmm. You have to understand things that pitfalls into node investing. So due diligence consists of, you get it, we call it a data tape. So you get a tape of loans that are for sale and there's there's key pieces of information. And and I tell people, I said, this is all just overrated. Like you'll get mm-hmm. a spreadsheet with triple letters and all this information. It'll cross your eyes. I mean, like it's full of wow. information, but there's there's things that you have to know. And then there's other things that's on there that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. You have to know the property address. You have to know that if you're buying a first or a second. Okay. And I mean, first or second mortgage. So I say first right. after make sure I say what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> know what I'm talking about. You have to know if the home is occupied or vacant. Mm-hmm. You have to know bankruptcy status and you have to know, you know, it, taxes will kill you on a note deal. Um, because a lot of times when the taxes become delinquent and taxes are sold, if they're not paid, if you think taxes aren't, aren't old and you, you pay for a loan and you don't factor in the delinquent taxes, it could it could eat up your your profit really really quickly. Wow! Because a lot of times when you're buying a non-performing asset, mm-hmm. sometimes those those loans are delinquent. They could be a couple years delinquent. They could be five six years delinquent. Um, yes, loans can go that delinquent. And how we make money on non-performing assets is is that we get creative. We look at loans that are non-performing as life happened to somebody. And we turn those non-performing loans, if we can, into performing loans. Right. And that's by... Working um, with the homeowners. Oh, okay. Okay. We we actually, we work with the homeowners and we actually, we turn their non-performing loans into a performing loan. Again, we modify their loan. We put them into a forbearance agreement. We put them into a loan mod and we start them over. And then we start a new, we we start a new pay stream. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the other creative ways in non-performing assets is, is we get them paying and then we actually, we then sell the loan because we bought it at a discount mm-hmm. and now we can sell the loan at par. So we can actually sell it for face value or a 10% discount of face value. Wow. So that's another way. Yeah. Um, that's another way that we can make money on notes. Um, we can sell partials. So we okay. can sell the front end of payments. So let's say you have 300 payments. You can sell 150 payments to someone and you can keep the back end. You, there are so many creative ways. Creative on ways. So yes. you can use it as leverage. So if I said, okay, I need some money. I can use this as an asset to sell mm-hmm. it to someone cash out. And let's say I want to buy another property. I could use that money. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah, you can be very, very creative with notes, and then you can wow. you can sell it. You can sell it at a yield. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways you can play with notes as well. Can you gift them to other people, like you can assign and gift, but there's still you know there's some things, and I don't want to give okay. tax advice, but right. <laughs> um, you know there's there's phantom income, and there's some other things mm-hmm. um, that that can happen when you say gifting. So you have to be careful about that. Okay, and that that complicates things when you say gifting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can assign. Assign. Okay. And then if you have it in a trust, you just change the beneficiaries of the trust. Got it. Okay. So then so, you're not really gifting anything. You're just mm-hmm. changing the beneficiary of the trust. Okay. So listen, I have like so many conversations after what you just said. When you said that if someone is behind on their mortgage, you guys can do a forbearance on it or mm-hmm. so they can stay in the house. Mm-hmm. If someone is listening right now, can they reach out to you and say, hey, we're behind. Can you buy this note or take over our mortgage so we don't have to leave? Is that because I don't want to give that out there if that's so, something that can happen. So, no. And the reason why that can't happen is, is like, mm-hmm. so when banks sell loans. So um, if a loan is held in a trust at a financial institution, it can't always be sold as a one off. Okay. So, but if somebody is behind on their mortgage, depending on what state they're in, I am a licensed loan originator. I could probably help them get back on track and possibly help them get a loan, or I could help them petition to get a forbearance or a mod, even if they don't think it's possible. So I have um, so many, I have so many skill sets. Yeah. My motto is putting America back on its feet, one mortgage at a time, and that there is a heartbeat in every home. Those are my two main mottos that I live by. 
That's beautiful. There's a heartbeat in every home. Yes. And, and, and the reason why I say that there's a heartbeat in every home, people used to talk about when I worked in collections and people fall behind, oh, you're calling that deadbeat. No, something happened. Yeah. People don't just choose to not pay their mortgage. Something has happened to make that person not pay. Yeah. When the hardest hit funds happened and they, they were, when America was really helping people, helping homeowners, the hardest hit funds really resonated with me. Everybody, there are, you know, those few select people that are just con artists and they're, they're scam mm -hmm. artists who choose not to pay. But mm -hmm. most of America who don't make their mortgage payment, something has happened. Yeah, people are living true. from paycheck to paycheck. And there are ways to actually help people get back on their feet. Yeah. There are still people who are suffering from their properties being underwater. And now they're on the up of actually getting equity in their home. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to actually help them keep their home. Nice. You know, some of them have filed bankruptcy. Some of them, you know, they don't know what to do. And their head, are in, their head is in the sand. Don't walk away. There are programs out there to help you stay in your home. There is a sheriff in town called the CFPB and Dodd-Frank. And those two regulators at all costs necessary can help you stay in your home. If, if you have a source of income and your intentions are pure and something really did happen, they say life events. Um, you know, now I'm talking as a servicer. Right. Um, life events. If those life events have happened to you and you can document those life events, homeowner retention is possible. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So have, are you guys making any plans or have an outlook for what's going on with COVID-19 and this uh, random that's out right now or that's soon to end that everyone is talking about? So we have suffered tremendously because mm -hmm. like, so as a servicer, the way we make our money as a servicer um, is, is that we charge a fee to note investors to maintenance their loans. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people opted to do the, um, not make their mortgage payments. Right. So a lot of note investors like, well, I'm not getting my mortgage payment, so I shouldn't have to pay my, I shouldn't have to pay my servicing fees. So as a servicer, we are like in the middle, we've been stuck. Yeah. And so we have done a lot of layoffs. So a lot of my staff is laid off right now. Mm -hmm. And it has really hurt us, but we have, we do have some people who are on social security disability or people who are on fixed incomes who have continued to make their mortgage payments. But that's right. been like probably, I would say 25, 20, 30% okay. of our portfolio. Everybody else has opted not to make their mortgage payments. Right. So with that um, has been really, really hard. So what we have done is we have done wellness checks on our borrowers. Okay. Um, so we have reached out. Because a lot of states have put money in place for people who are behind on their mortgages. Mm -hmm. And we have actually encouraged those people to reach out to their local agencies, to their community action agencies, to their um, local cities to see where money is available for mm -hmm. them to actually get um, help with their mortgage payments. A lot of states have given $10,000 to homeowners to make mortgage payments, $5,000 for rent. That has been the norm for at least to help. Not just go on, um, you know, don't go on a forbearance because you don't really know what that forbearance looks like with each individual right. financial institution because some of those forbearance agreements are going to balloon. And then the other thing is, is like people were so quick to jump into those forbearance agreements, but those are going to balloon and they're going to be due all at once. Mm -hmm. And then people who have equity in their home are trying to refinance. Yeah. A lot of banks have made the rule that if you're in a forbearance agreement, you can't refi. Refinance, yeah. You cannot refi. If you haven't made payments and then you go to refi, you can't refi. Mm -hmm. So those of you who do not know, now you know if you hear me talking about this, get out of your forbearance, start making payments, mm -hmm. reach out to your local communities to see about getting getting some community money or government money to see if they'll pay that $10,000 on your mortgage, if that's what you've opted to do. Wow. But wow. most states have given $10,000, if not more. I'm glad you shared that because that is some information I didn't know. Yep. Um, look into each individual state. Mm -hmm. Some of it's even by county. Okay. Okay. Wow. This is just the most mind-blowing conversation. <laughs> I have so many questions, but still, I've got to get into because you're also a real estate investor. Yes, I am. So, I mean, it's like 
And I had this epiphany too. Okay, even with notes, this is a great way. Like if you're flipping money and you don't want to be a landlord, you could take this money and start buying notes with the profit that you're making to get that passive stream of income. So one of the other things that I do, um, like if I if I complete a foreclosure and I don't want to, I don't like I don't think that I'm going to get the money that I want to get out of a property. That scenario after I've completed a foreclosure. Yeah. So I will put a property on the market for sale for sale by owner, and then I will create I will do seller financing. Whoa. Um, so then then I'm not a landlord, but I've yeah. created seller financing. I get you know a decent amount of money down, mm-hmm. and then. Um, one of the things that I will also take into consideration is, is that I will, um, if something major happens during my seller financing and they like, maybe they fall behind because some major repair comes up, I'll put mm-hmm. a second on the house to pay for whatever that repair is. So they don't go behind. Or if they, um, if they qualify for um, grant money to do that repair, I will encourage them to apply for grant money. So that's another reason why I do seller financing and I don't do a land contract. Cause the house is in their name. Yeah. Um, so if they qualify for a grant, the grants normally, um, once they've owned the home for a year, they actually qualify for that grant money to do major repairs, window siding, roofing, bathrooms, furnace. Um, you don't even have to own the home for a year for the furnace. I mean, it could be the first winter and they'll put the furnace in up to $5,000 in most States. Yeah. So that's another reason why I will do seller financing. And, and it's just an, it's a win-win. That's a win-win. Creating homeowner mm-hmm. home ownership for people who may not have the opportunity to do so. That's amazing. I, I love that strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we just said, okay, I just have money sitting in the bank to to get a note. How much money? What's the minimum amount we can we need to have? I got a note for as as little as five hundred dollars. What? So I can reach out to you. Say, okay, I got five hundred dollars, or every month just. Is this something? Okay. So yeah, I'm all over the place. I love this. Okay. So if I have like a set aside $500 every single month, I could reach out to you and say, Hey, I want to get a note. So I will tell you guys the $500 notes normally have a lot of hair on them. Like they, they normally, they're, they're pretty messy, but I mean, sometimes you can find a note, um, a smaller balance note for $2,500, and and those are the onesie twosies. And again, um, and sometimes those are contracts for deeds. You or said Monday Tuesdays. I'm what sorry. You? you said they're Monday twosies. No onesie twosies, like one offs. Onesie like, twosies. Okay. Onesie twosies. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, um, you know, you'll find some stuff on paper stack that's kind of like it's it's a little pricey. And again, you got to do your own due diligence. And then there's David Putz is on I think on Facebook. There's some other resources. And then um, from time to time, I'll have stuff um, that I'll put out for sale. I haven't done a large buy in a while. My, my largest buy that I've ever done was like 30, $34 million. Right. Um, I did that a few years ago. And, you know, it takes a while to liquidate those large portfolios. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on something right now. Don't know when it's going to come to life. A lot of people will do like a minimum buy-in of 100000 or $50,000. But sometimes you will find those smaller deals on people yeah. like somebody just had like a small portfolio. They were seconds for like fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So there are small entry points where you can make a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes people will JV with you, you know, like they'll okay, like look yeah. for money partners, you know, uh-huh. where there's two or three people will go in with a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. There are very creative ways on how you can get into the space. Wow. So how soon do you start seeing profit once you you invest in a note? It, it's hard to say. It's sometimes, to say. It's a, sometimes it's a slam dunk. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I tell people realistically, this is this is a jog. It's not a sprint. Sometimes mm. you walk as low as, low as a turtle. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to say. I will say at least sometimes 10 months. If you buy non-performing assets, you have to think okay. about at least the foreclosure timeline. Right. Um, and then sometimes if you buy a performing loan, you see a profit as, as quickly as the next month. Yeah. And um, generally um, you look at a, you probably for a performing loan, you're looking at right now, maybe a seven to 8% yield on a performing asset. That's what you're looking at for oh, a performing asset. That's good. Mm-hmm. So was this and, something, so what would be the technique? Would it be like, Steady in every single night, 
looking for notes and seeing if it's the right one? I mean, how do you get into the habit of looking for notes or do we hire someone like you um, and, and partner with you to find them? And we give you, of course, take your coaching and referrals or the, or the fees that you charge. Like, how do we go about doing this? We have, I think we kind of are on a hiatus for the summer. So we have a group on um, Clubhouse that meets on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. But I think we've kind of slimmed that down to twice a month for summer because we have so much stuff going on Yeah. because of summertime. And then I do a class every Saturday, Eastern time at one o'clock called Lunch Tidbits. So there is a group there that we have live interaction on something about notes Mm-hmm. And then the Revival Brothers has a trade desk. Um, I think it's revivalbrothers.com. Um, we have a trade desk there. We kind of teach people on um, how to look at assets, how to um, analyze notes a little bit more in depth. Um, I partner with the Revival Brothers. They're out of Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. And it's just like getting involved with the note community. I don't I don't push my training. That's what it seems like. Like you've got to be around other people talking about this in the same mindset and space mm-hmm. to, to really grasp how powerful this is. Yes. And it, it is, it's not always what you know. It's sometimes it's who you know and being in the right place mm. at the right time. And so I will also say that COVID has, has crippled us. I will tell you before COVID, I was at an event at least two to three times a month. I'm at a live event on somebody's stage networking Mm -hmm. and um, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. Um, I was, but I was on somebody's stage every single month, at least one event a month. But, but most times I was somewhere two, three times a month. I was always on an airplane living out of suitcases before. So um, now I'm doing this exactly what I'm doing with you right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm on somebody's podcast, somebody's event, just kind of talking and sharing and letting people just kind of pick my brain. I probably work about 60, 70 hours a week um, on top of working and just networking and letting people yeah. know, you know, when I when I have product available, anybody that has an NDA sign with me, I kind of shoot it out. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really have to look to sell my product because I have people in my network like, hey, I got this. And then sometimes After I'll be podcast, talking. You're going to have some people. <laughs> so. I don't know if you've been on the podcast and he's calling me now, Brandon. He's just a stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, Brandon's in Georgia and in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, well why, did, why didn't you send me that deal? Why did you sell it to so-and-so? I'm like, go somewhere and sit down. So, you know, Brandon thinks that every deal that I get, I'm supposed to sell it to him. And um, I have a I have a California investor. He buys, you know, 90% of all my California seconds. So I have like go-to people. Okay, so question, are there certain areas where we should be looking or how do we choose what, okay, I guess what I'm thinking, am I thinking, should I be thinking like a real estate investor choosing properties? Or is is that the way note investors think? Not all note investors think that way. Okay. So seven, so like my Cal, I have a California investor because mm-hmm. he he will pay me premium for California notes. So I just kind of wow. send him everything. But I will tell people the reason why my my guy on Wall Street that I still work with to this day, mm-hmm. the reason why I was able to get rid of so much trash when I was at the bank is like he made my life easy. Um, he come he said, well, well, what do you want to sell? Um, I'll buy anything from anywhere. And at the at this point in time, I will be so honest with you. I was typing up the assets I have for sale on a Word document. I didn't even know how to use Excel in '98. And he was like, "Well, can you put these on an Excel spreadsheet?" I was like, "No, I wasn't here and tell him no. I didn't know how to use Excel." Mm-hmm. So he actually created an Excel spreadsheet, and I just plugged in the addresses and information that I sent them over to him. Wow! Um, so he made my life easy, mm-hmm. and so that was how how we ended up forming a partnership. And, and what I did know though, is like, I was selling him these assets for like 10 cents on the dollar. And he was turning around selling them to his, his, uh, his students for 30, 40 cents on the dollar right off the rip. And I had no idea. So they were basically funding his deals and he was making a 30% spread off the rip. Even back then, I didn't, I mean, like I know it now, but I didn't know it then. And I was just like, man, Okay, so he was like wholesaling. Is that what I'm thinking he's doing? <laughs> That's pretty much what he was doing. I mean, I was making a ton of money, but he made my life easy. So I yeah. mean, like, it, it didn't matter. I was making, I was bonusing more than my salary back then, and he and he mm-hmm. made my life easy. And he was That's so crazy. he was so he was so sweet and kind. Mm-hmm. But then when I I left the bank and I went to go work for him, he was the biggest butthole ever. I was like, oh my god, what did I do? Wow. You know, like I wouldn't work for him for a very short time. And mm-hmm. like now we work together 
And it's funny because I was shy and timid back then. And like, now I'm like, no, you can't BS me. Like, what, what did you just say to me? And so, um, so he like, he's like, this is why I love you now because it's like, you've, you've grown up. You're not like this naive young girl. Um, and I just call him spade a spade. Like I call him out. I'm like, what? No, no, we're not doing that. No, I'm not even your end. No, we're not doing that. So with age has come wisdom Mm -hmm. with just learning and understanding business. You know, I've gotten some business coaches and, and I've just been really blessed to be around some really seasoned business people. And they've just really taught me and, you know, poured into me. And that's why I'm willing to pour into others. Yeah. That was my next question. Like, when did you get, when was that moment when you finally realized your worth, your value and what you're bringing to the table? About 2010. Okay. Uh, 2010. And then, um, and, and then like I had, like I said, I, I went through a divorce and I had some setbacks mm-hmm. and had a, had a, had a kid in college and just really, yeah, I needed to like make some shifts. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, you know, some people's like, you know, like I remember when you set your prices back. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did some reductions in prices because I needed to make sure that my kid graduated from college. So I, I right. did, I did make some adjustments with my pricing. But I, there's been people that I've made, you know, lots of money. Um, mm-hmm. I've had people send me on some extravagant trips. I just had somebody give me a trip to Aruba for my birthday. Wow! They gave me the trip to Aruba, so I took my mom, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was amazing. People have just really continued to bless me, so I'll continue to to bless others. You because plan things just, everywhere you go. Yeah, you do. You do. Golly. Okay. So I still got to get into your brain. We, we got to do financially lit because uh, your mindset is amazing. Okay. So my financially lit segment, I'll go pretty fast because we have talked about notes and I still got questions on notes. I'm gonna have to get you to come back because this is so okay. good, but we got to get into financial lit because you are a real estate investor. You flip properties as well. Yes. So I yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I do is just, I have um, my mentor told me a long time ago, that you put seven investors in front of one property, you got seven different strategies, goals, mindsets, ideas, outcomes, exit strategies, everything is just completely different. I think it's amazing. So I just like to ask my my guests, you know, about money, about, you know, their goals and that stuff. So let's get right to it. Okay, number one, what is your why? My why is my grandchildren. You're, you're a grandmother? A five. No way. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I would never know that. You look amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. So then two, it, was there a financial book that changed the game for you as far as like money, spending habits? I don't know the author of the book, but one of my investors gave me a book. It called it it was called Becoming the Bank. I don't know who the author is, but it was a it was a it was like it was an old ancient book. It was but it was oh. called Becoming the Bank. And so he gave me this book and it was it was called Becoming the Bank. And it talked about really like using retirement money. I took one of my 401ks and I rolled it over um, to an IRA account. And mm-hmm. I actually started loaning myself money to do my uh, fix and flips. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was how I really started, really stopped using like lines of credit for, for my flips. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had a partner. And so we actually, so there was no prohibited transactions yeah. in reference to arm's length transactions with my retirement money, mm-hmm. but it was really my deals on how it was structured. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of like scratched each other's backs per se. Yeah. And um, I, that was how I built my retirement account to actually start doing deals with um, my own retirement money and not having to borrow money using credit cards, pay my own self interest, writing a note from the mm-hmm. IRA. And loaning it and, and, and cycling it back on yeah. doing deals with other people. And I, I learned that strategy from that particular book that somebody gave me and I kind of read it. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a quick read, but that was kind of like where my mindset really, really shifted about how to be more conservative and um, wiser with my money that I actually had access to. I got to find that book. I'm going on Amazon tonight. I'm going to see if I can find it. I think it might be in my basement. Okay. 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 Yeah, I, I'm definitely going on Amazon. Now, everything that we're talking about is also going to be posted on the website as well with links too, so that the listeners can get access to it as well. Okay. Okay. So what did, what did you learn or you know about money now that you didn't learn in school? A lot of things that I learned about money, I didn't learn in school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I didn't learn about an IRA account. I didn't learn about a Roth. Yeah. I didn't learn about a solo one four hundred one k. Those things I didn't learn in school. I, I never heard about those things until yeah. probably ten years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew about a four hundred one k. I knew about a retirement. Right. That's what everybody but, talks about. Yeah. But you know, uh, an, an inherited Roth IRA is something that. It's life changing. It's a game changer. If you actually have an inherited Roth IRA, that's a that's a tax free vehicle that you can utilize that you can pass down to your children or your grandchildren that they never have to pay taxes through again. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Okay, so you mentioned the honor system. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the honor system? Basically, no paper. No paper, but your word is your bond. No harm, no foul. Like I can pick up them right now, and there's like three or four people that I can call, and like, hey, I need, I need a hundred grand, and they'll say, where's your, what's your wiring instructions? I can get that money, no contract, no nothing, oh. and they know I'm good for it, and yeah. I'll, and, and I'll get it back to them. But as soon as I break their trust, mm-hmm. I'm mud, I, and I know I'm mud. And as soon right. as I get, as soon as I get bad press on. On those people, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just no good. So when I say the honor system, I operate in integrity. I, I do what I say. If I make a mistake, if I screw up something, I admit my mistake. I, I apologize. I admit my wrong. It wasn't intentional. And that goes a long way. It does. Be willing to admit you were wrong. Yeah. Be willing to admit that you're stretched thin. And and be willing to admit that you don't know something. Especially you know, like in real estate. If I don't know something yeah. like right now, because of the pricing of like wood and different things like that, mm-hmm. I have an investor that I had quoted. Like I said, it's going to cost us 25 grand to, to fix this. This was before wood went up mm-hmm. to $12 a sheet, you know, before when I was getting it at $3 a sheet. And right. she asked me that question the other day. I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know. You sat on this piece of property. I do not know. And I said, if you want to wait till prices go down, be my guest. I said, but I'm not getting ready to tell you. I know what it's going to cost to do this rehab right now. Yeah. And she said, really? I said, really? I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, I do not know. I said, it's your fault that you waited. And I'm not getting ready. I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And, and I think that that goes a long way just to be honest. And it's okay to say you don't know. Yeah. That's the conversation we don't talk about because I think a lot of people always want to be like the expert in something. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I love to say I have no clue as to Mm -hmm. what we're talking about, what you're asking me, but I can find somebody that can. Mm -hmm. But that's big. I love that. The honor system. That's a game changer right there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what are your goals for 2021? My goals for 2021 um, is to do as many flips as I did last year. Mm-hmm. And at least make the same amount of money that I did last year. Not to make more money than I did mm-hmm. last year, because real estate is more expensive this year than it was. Yeah. Last year. You know, normally your goals increase in reference to to generating more revenue. But if I can make the same amount of money that I did last year, mm-hmm. I'm still okay. And the reason I know that I'm okay is because the cost of real estate has gone up. Right. So um, if I can stay at that same level, I'm mm-hmm. okay that I didn't increase my revenue. If I can stay the same and I can be on that same level, I'll be fine. Wow. No wow. setbacks, but to stay yeah. to stay at the same level, it's okay. You don't always have to be up in order to, to, to be okay. You can stay at the same level and still look back and say, I did okay. That's, I love that. Exactly. I definitely agree with you on that. So if you had $5,000 right now, just put into your bank account, what would you do with it right now? I would, I would lend it to a fix and flipper. Hmm. I'd do a hard money loan to a fix and flipper that's starting out. I like that. And this get paid after they close the deal. So one of the ways that I've actually built my mom's retirement account up is, is that mm-hmm. I actually do six month loans between five and $10,000 and I charge a point, which is not a lot of money. And then I, I charge a penalty of a thousand dollars if they ask for a six month extension. And if they ask for a six month extension, I ask for a thousand dollars. And I also put a first mortgage on the property that they're fixing. If they um, need the extension, I give them the extension with a thousand dollars and I have a first mortgage and I extend. If they need an extension again in six more months, it's about another thousand dollars. So I can't grow my money like that oh my God. Um, in the stock market. I can't grow no. my money like that sitting in a bank. 
So $5,000 is not a lot of money, but I would probably blow that $5,000 in the blink of an eye, just kind of just doing foolish stuff. But if I put it in somebody's hands that really is, that values money mm-hmm. um, or values their projects, yeah. okay, they, they've actually had to pay, you know, $2,500, three grand in order for their money to grow. Mm-hmm. They still appreciate me. They appreciate what I've done for them. And I've given them an opportunity. I've given them a chance. And the next time that they need five grand, they need 10 grand where they're coming back to. They're coming back to somebody who loaned the money, who had faith in them. And they don't have a problem paying that money. You're going to have a lot of people reaching out to you now. (laughs) And now I've created a relationship. Wow. So how do they qualify for that? Because I know some people right now, like I'm reaching out to Sabrina like today. They've had to have done a deal or two. Okay. Okay. Let's Um, clarify that. (laughs) And have to have some experience, mm-hmm. and then I and and sometimes I will do it for the first their first project because again I have a first mortgage on their property. You don't pay. Yeah. Um, you know how to feel. You can fix it. I mean, it's it's a problem that you can solve. So it, that is correct. And and oh, wow. um, I've never I've never had to foreclose on a on a five thousand dollar mortgage. But mm-hmm. I let people know it's not personal; it's business. Exactly. And I will foreclose if I have to. I love it. I love this. Oh my gosh. And, and so here's the other thing in, in uh-huh. most places. So if I had to foreclose to get my money back, so, okay, time is money. Mm-hmm. If I had to go through that foreclosure process, $5,000, it might take me anywhere from $3,500 or $4,000 to foreclose. Right. I, I recover that money back. But in most states, if I had to foreclose on your house, if it's worth more than that, you get the proceeds. So you still get money out of it. So I didn't take advantage of you. No. You get the excess funds. So- we both win. It's a still win-win situation. Yep. Yeah. So people are going to be reaching out to you. <laughs> this was so good. So, 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 so good. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share? I just want to share that um, life is what you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, never let your past hold you hostage. Um, your future is what you make it. And never let your circumstances define where you're going. Never let an excuse be what your future is. And I just have to say that because sometimes you are your own worst enemy and you are in the way of you. And when you set yourself aside, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, complete this last question. Finish this sentence. My life in real estate is? Everything. I love it. I love it. How can we find you? You can find me at sallenattheartofnotes.com. I don't have a website for reasons, multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, you can reach me on my cell. I generally will respond 330-472-3966. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I think I'm at capacity on Facebook. I think I have 5,000 friends. Um, sorry. You. <laughs> um, you can follow me. And, um, and again, like on Saturdays, you can join my um, lunch tidbits. If you, I think I have to invite you, I have to send you a link, but if you text me and say you want to join tidbits, I will, I'll send you a link so you can actually join that community. And there's a couple of private Facebook groups that I have to invite you to, but I would be more than happy to allow you all into those groups, answer your questions. And, um, you know, just looking forward to meeting you all. And once I start going back out in the public, um, I am a little cautious right now because I do have lupus. So um, I have an autoimmune deficiency. I have been vaccinated, but I'm still reluctant to actually go out in yeah. public a lot still yet. But looking forward to um, meeting each and every one of you. And I really enjoyed this. You can come back anytime you want to. <laughs> this was so good. You should do webinars like this. Like I'm not very tech savvy. I'm not. I'm just telling you. This was really, really, I've learned so much. And there's still so many more questions I have, but we're under time constraint. But this was amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, you really, you have definitely been a light for sure. Because this is how you take, this is how you make assets work for you. Mm -hmm. Another vehicle. And we just kind of touched the surface today. I, I mean, bet. Like really, we just really touched the surface. Like pro- we could talk about profitable exit strategies. Um, and there's like performing loans, non-performing loans, partials. You can invest in both of those. So you could do yes. the non-performing and the performing loans. Mm-hmm. And then first mortgages, second mortgages. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. So we, we just kind of like just touch the surface. Yeah. Well, you, we did the basics so that yeah. everybody could get an idea because like it, it can get, like you said, kind of complicated. So I think a lot of questions and misconceptions have been cleared for sure. Cause now I'm all the way in like, okay, now when I have this extra money, this is what I'm going to do with it for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why have I not been doing this? That's the question I'm trying to figure out. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be calling my mom. Like, did we not know about this? How come we haven't been doing this? This was so good. Thank you. Thank you for You're being welcome. such a light. And yeah, we are going to reschedule you to come back for sure. Thank you. Yes. To learn more about Sabrina, get in contact with her and also get resources that were mentioned in this interview. Just go to our website, lightinguprealestate.com. That's all for now. Stay safe, stay sane and stay lit.